Hi, friends. Welcome back to Nate Talks to His Friends About Jesus. Dude, I hope you're good. Kids are back in school. Mm, it's like a vacation in your life. Hey, just a reminder, if you find our hangouts good for you, will you do something to spread it so we can just hang out with more friends? That's it. Whatever you want to do, whatever you feel moved to do, do that. All right, so today we're still hanging out with Paul. We're going to be hanging out with him for a while. And he is still writing uh, to the Corinth first ward, if you will, first Corinthians. And in this section, he, he talks about speaking with tongues during a worship service. Now, today we think about the gift of tongues as being able to speak in another language, say Portuguese, effectively for the purpose of preaching the gospel. That's what seems to happen on the day of Pentecost with Peter. But apparently it's more common throughout history that an individual will feel the spirit and burst out speaking some unintelligible language. This is actually more common than you think in the early restored church. In fact, when Brigham Young first meets Joseph Smith, he speaks in this sort of unintelligible tongues. In fact, in the course of the dedication of the Kirtland Temple, there are at least three separate occasions where they speak in tongues in this way. They're not speaking Tongan or anything like that. They're speaking some unintelligible language, basically, and somebody else sometimes interprets. And this manner of speaking is considered evidence of the Spirit outpouring God's work and God's grace on His temple. So apparently this is going on in Paul's time too. And here's what Paul does with this manifestation. He says, okay, this sort of gift of tongues can be a sign for unbelievers and may cause them to believe. But probably not. He says, you want to have a more powerful experience? If you will speak in a way that, that they will, people will understand, if you'll speak in a way that strengthens them, encourages them, and comforts them, that's going to be way more effective. I like that standard. Basically, he's circling back to what he said last time in the gifts section. He's saying, use gifts to build and not to look cool. If our filter is always, will this build, we're usually going to be pretty safe. Now, at the end of the discussion about edifying teaching, Paul does drop a strange command, though. He says, women should remain silent in churches. They are not allowed to speak, but should be in submission, as the law says. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! What do we do with this? Well, first, let's look at it holistically. Paul is very clear that he works, teaches, and preaches with several women. So his statement here obviously isn't an all-encompassing statement. So why does he say it here? Well, there obviously is something going on in Corinth that he is addressing, and we just don't have enough of the context to know what it is. The only other time Paul uses a similar phrase is in his letter to Timothy, and the reason he uses it then is because there are women who are using the church pulpit as a way to lead people away from Christ and happiness. I imagine there is some similar circumstance going on here in Corinth. Remember, these letters are written to a specific time and to a specific place and to a specific people. If you hold these letters in their context, you will better understand his intent. It will make sense. 
If you overapply them and say women shouldn't talk ever in church, it's not going to work. It doesn't make sense. So make sure you're reading them in context, understanding what his real intent is as best you can. His final statement on teaching seems to hit this right tone of moderation, more of what you would expect. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Do things in a fitting and orderly way. Done. He says, do that. You're going to have an edifying meeting. People are going to be built up. They're going to be drawn closer to Christ. Men, women, new converts, old converts, everybody. Okay. So just do things in a fitting and orderly way. Now, the last section of his letter to Corinth hits on something he is very passionate about. Paul gets uh, to the idea of resurrection. Now, one of the things, the reason Paul is writing this letter, remember, is that the church leader, Chloe, who is a girl, reports to Paul that there are some in the Corinth first ward who are saying, you know, I don't know about this whole resurrection thing. I don't think it's real. So Paul really goes to town here on resurrection. He just goes off. Chapter 15, he says, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. Like he's like, let's talk about what the gospel actually is. Like what the gospel actually is, is that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. And when he was raised, when he was resurrected, he appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to the 12 apostles. After that, he appeared to more than 500 people at the same time, most of whom are still living. You can go talk to them. They saw Jesus was resurrected. He appeared to James. And when he says James, he's talking about Jesus's younger half-brother, James. He goes on to be a major force in the, the church in Jerusalem. And then to all the apostles. Last of all, Jesus appeared to me, Paul, also. This is what we preach. This is what you believed, that Jesus is resurrected. That, that is the gospel. <laughs> That's it, he's saying. The resurrection is the gospel. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, like if we have so many witnesses that saw Jesus' physical body, touched him, shook his hand, was with him. How can you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then everything we do is useless. Your faith is useless. Why are you even in the church if that's not the case? He's like, this is nonsense. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. You're still stuck. And those who have died in Christ, they're lost too. But here's the thing, guys. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, he says. Think of it like this. For since death came through one man, Adam, right? The resurrection of dead comes also through a man, Christ. For as in Adam, all die. 
so in Christ all will be made alive. Then the end will come. When Jesus hands over the kingdom of God the um, the hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after Jesus has destroyed all dominion, all authority, all power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. That's such a hopeful line. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are you people baptized for the dead? I like this verse. He throws it in there so casually. Baptism for the dead basically isn't the point here. The point is we will resurrect. But he says, you baptize uh, the dead. This is an this obviously is an expression of the resurrection. Every time we go to the temple, it is an expression of our trust and reality in a resurrection. If you're not feeling it, go do some work in the temple there. Go be baptized for somebody. Feel the, this idea, the, the, the reality of the resurrection. Since baptism for the dead isn't really the point Paul is making here, I'm not really going to belabor it. But I love our work for the dead. If it isn't an expression of our faith that God is going to save the vast majority of his children, if not all his children, I don't know what is. That's my church right there. (laughs) I'm I'm about that. We believe in the resurrection for the dead. And we believe that Christ's work to redeem his children is just so expansive, inclusive, boundless, energetic, and powerful. I love everything about it. And I'm so grateful that we get to be engaged in such a salvific, inclusive, and powerful work. It's so redemptive. It's so powerful. It's so good. Guys, Paul says, This message about the resurrection, the reality of the resurrection, is why I endanger myself basically every hour. I face death every day, he says. I fought with with wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes. What have I gained if the dead are not raised? He's like, why am I doing all of this if there's no resurrection? Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they resurrect? How foolish. What you plant does not come to life unless it dies. Therefore, if you, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. So basically, hear what he's saying. People ask, what kind of body will you have when you resurrect? And he's like, well, it's not like this body. Like, it's not like a, the seed is the exact same as the plant that grows from it, right? Um, if you do, not, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. When your body dies, it's like an acorn that will be transformed into an oak. Your body now is pure potentiality. Nothing like the coming form, but pointing to the coming form. It's so much bigger, better, grandiose, amazing, powerful. Just go back and look what angels and Jesus can do when they're resurrected. It's outstanding. I love it. There are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies, he says. The splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind. And the splendor of an earthly body is another kind. It's like this. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another kind of splendor, and the stars another. And the star differ from star in splendor. 
so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable and it is raised imperishable. Right now, I've got to say your body is awesome and limited, but it will be resurrected completely different. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is planted as a natural body. It is raised as a spiritual body. Now we have borne the image of an earthly man. One day we will bear the image of a heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that how you are now as perishable flesh and blood, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, I'm going to tell you a mystery, he says. I'll tell you something cool. We will not stay in a dead state, but we will be changed in a flash. In the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. We will be raised imperishable. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? He's quoting Isaiah and Hosea here. The sting of death is sin. In other words, the real problem with sin is that it leads us away to God. It is death. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm and let you mo- nothing move you. Because the resurrection is real. I don't know what else to say about this. What else to add to what Paul said? The resurrection for me and you. You will die. But you will be resurrected. In a moment, you will be transformed from a broken, fallen being to a being of glory that you can't even imagine right now. And in that moment, you will be liberated from the bondage of our broken culture, hormones, mental patterns, sins, disease, all of it. You will be liberated. And in that state, you will grow like never before, tutored by God, Jesus, and angels. It will be the greatest adventure you can ever imagine. You will live again. It's facts. Trust that. I don't know if anything else matters as much as this matters. So live right now like this life matters. Live like your body matters. Live like you're already saved by Jesus. Live like the resurrection is an absolute reality. And see what it does. Go out and share this message of absolute certainty that we will live again. Sound good? All right, love you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.